0: welcome to grateful scripts and i'm your host lindsay paulson join us as we dive in each week to talk healing adulting and resources from trauma life and just showing up for one another together we're going to learn everything our parents forgot to teach us in a community of grace and humility Grab the coziest blanket you have some snacks snuggle up and be ready to digest the best script that anyone can prescribe This is The Grateful Script. Welcome back to Grateful Scripts. I'm your host, Lindsay Paulson, and I know we had a little bit of delay in putting some episodes together, and that's just kind of how life is going. So, we are super excited to have this episode coming to you today and my featured guest of this episode is going to be Miss Caroline Markham. So, Miss Caroline, can you tell me a little bit about yourself and a little bit of insight into how we met? Yeah, so
1: um I am originally from Kentucky. Um I am a preschool teacher graduated from Eastern with my bachelor's in child development and have just loved and adored working with kids my entire life, Um, took a little bit of a break around COVID and then jumped back in last year um, where your wonderful spunky child was one of my ones to reintroduce me to teaching um and yeah so we connected that way
0: yes so a little bit about this episode and you can probably tell in the show notes too is one thing we're going to talk about today is a little bit of I hate to say medical trauma but I guess kind of one thing that we bonded over is that spunky middle child that I do have um she's definitely had her fair share of medical trauma and the teacher that she got, Miss Caroline, actually ended up being the perfect fit because she too had a little bit of medical trauma that we're going to talk about a little bit today and kind of diving in to navigate that and experiences that we've both gone through. So we definitely originally connected over Maddie. Um, Tell us a little bit about your medical journey and kind of how things transpired for you.
1: Yeah. So, um, I grew up super healthy. Um, my parents were the parents that didn't take us to the doctor whenever we had a cold or runny nose, you know, it was chicken pox or the flu or, you know, it was something severe, like they couldn't get a fever under control. And so, you know, all the way through college, like I lived a pretty healthy life. I like to say that I was around kids enough that my immune system was spectacular um you know get hit with a a cold every once in a while in the wonderful land of Kentucky you have seasonal allergies whether you think you have allergies or not you know the fall hits the spring hits and
0: you can't breathe yeah I'm pretty sure my oldest is allergic to the entire state so absolutely
1: I got allergy tested a couple years ago and they were like, yeah, you're basically allergic to the outdoors of Kentucky. Um, so I go to any other state and I'm fine. Come back to Kentucky and I'm just dying. Um, but yeah, so I never really went to the doctor. I mean, you know, I went, if I was super sick, went for shots if I needed them um, with being working with children, I had to, you know, stay up to date on most things. Um, <laughs> But one thing when I went into college, moved into the dorms, this was, oh gosh, 2011 or 12, maybe, um, they asked if you had the meningitis shot, um, which I was like, no, who gets meningitis? Um, because, you know, it can be spread through common areas and stuff like that. And so, you know, a meningitis is not something you hear very much about. Um, you know, it's not chicken pox. It's not the flu. It's not strep. Um, so flash forward to, oh gosh, five years ago it was 2018. Um, I was working at a center, um, a little bit of, a bit away and about 30 minutes from where I live. And, um, I had been dealing with some ear infections. Um, and I had actually gone to work that morning and was like, man, I just feel weird today. It was in the beginning of December of 2018. And um I was like, gosh, I just I really feel off. Like felt like I was underwater. I, you know, I was like, you know, it's probably just another ear infection. It's fine. So, I actually had called and scheduled an appointment with my doctor, and my director of the center I was working at had um, made arrangements for me to leave early to go to this appointment. Because um, she was like, You're always here, you never call out. Like, I'm just, I was raised to be somewhere when I said I was going to be somewhere. You know, if you're not dying or, you know throwing up and you can leave the house. You're at work. Um, so if I were to ask something like that, it was a big deal. Um, but so I was in my classroom, it was me and I'm another teacher and the kids were sleeping and I was like, gosh, I feel really dizzy. Like, can you just like keep an eye out on all the kids? Like, I'm just going to sit here and like close my eyes for a second. Um, so I, you know, as I'm sitting there, I start to feel real nauseous and, the next thing i know i open my eyes and i am getting pulled off of an ambulance off of like a gurney and i was like okay hold on a second what happened um so it's actually really funny because um like i showed you uh my stepmom had sent over a file that she had found on her desktop today um when all of this happened, she worked in the same place about five minutes away from where I was at the time. And she actually sent like a detailed journal entry almost of what she had, what had happened. Um, But I essentially had fallen backwards in the chair that I was sitting in and They thought I had just like passed out, um, but I ended up having a seizure. Um, So they rushed me to the ER and they couldn't find anything wrong. Um, What was your
0: first reaction waking up though? Because nothing has got to be more terrifying than falling asleep next to preschoolers and waking up in an ambulance. Because I'd have been like, what in the damn world has escalated here?
1: Well, but it was like, I hadn't even like fallen asleep or dozed off. It was like, literally, I just almost felt like, you know, that sensation you get like right right before you're going to throw up. That's almost what it felt like. So it just felt like I was really nauseous. Then all of a sudden I'm getting out of an ambulance and I remember just looking around and, you know, Kathy is sitting there and I'm like, what? in the world is going on. And I remember for some reason I had worn a sweater that I really liked that day. And they had like tried to give me like something I guess to stop stop the seizure and whatever else was happening. And they had to like cut a hole and I was so
0: devastated they had oh, cut. They gotta cut hole. all that off to be able to get access to the to the veins and the things. Oh, it was, was a good like, sweater too, probably. Yeah, I was like, I really liked that sweater, dang it. Um, But
1: I just was like, what in the world is going on? Again, like I said, like I was healthy. I didn't have issues. The only issues I had been having were these, cu- these ear infections I just couldn't get rid of. And I remember looking over and just like, Kathy, my stepmom was like, you're good. You're fine. And I was like, I mean, there are four or five like big firefighters there and they're all like, you're good. You're good. And they made some jokes apparently about like, if I was ever in a fight, like I'd be fine because my fight or flight is just to go crazy and fight. Um, I was pretty sore. Um, cause you know, I was pretty like, nope, I'm not going
0: anywhere. Um you had to beat up a bunch of firemen. I mean, they're a little, a little feisty. Just the hair. Um, but I even look at like your
1: husband and I'm like, oh my gosh, I fought off like five of those.
0: Okay. Yeah, they probably and- they probably just think, Lord, here we go. Like <laughs> they have to <laughs> Well, and they were you're like,
1: you're ready. And I was so apologetic and they were, apparently they were like, well, you didn't spit on us or bite us or anything. Like you were super out of it. And I was like, apparently I said, and this is all from Kathy's retelling of it, but apparently I was like, I think I need to send them like an apology or a thank you note. Like I was I was like, oh, I felt so bad. Um, But yeah, it was just like this, what in the world? And it was like an hour between when I had felt all this nauseousness and stuff to when I got to the hospital. And like, to me, it was a split second. Um, Like, I don't remember any of it. And even the memory, even the very little details that I do remember are super fuzzy. Um, For a really long time, I couldn't remember um, leaving the hospital, like leaving the ER with my parents. Um, So they ended up running all kinds of tests. I mean, we were there for hours and they ran blood tests, CT scans, ev- like they did everything. And then they basically said, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah. They were like, well, there's a 50 50- or no, I think it was a 50-50% chance this could ever happen again. We can't see we can't like find anything wrong. Everything looks good. So follow up with a neurologist and sent me home. And I think that if I had been more with it, um, cause you know, like seizures really take it out of you. Um, I've had, I think four or five and just the next day after all of them, I just feel like I have gotten hit by a, like a couple of trains. Like they, it's every muscle in your body is tightening and it's just, like, it's it you feel run over. Um, and I think if I had been more with it at that point, I would have like fought to stay, um, <clears throat> just for like observation or something. Uh, because from going from someone who was pretty daggum healthy to all of a sudden having a seizure, like something should have red flagged. Um, but for some reason it did not. Um, and then So I went home and for a while, I didn't even remember, um, going home. I lived with a girl who I had only known for three months. Um, and we had gotten to be really close friends. Um, just been, we were very similar and gotten to know each other. And I went home and she was like, are you okay? Like they told me what happened. And I was like, I'm just beat. Like, I'm just going to go to bed. And, um, so the next day my boss had already told me like don't come to work tomorrow. We'll figure it out. Just rest and um I can sleep in but typically throughout the week like I'm pretty with it. Like I have an alarm, I'm up and even you know like as an adult like as you get into like a systematic routine like even on a Saturday, I'm like, "Oh, 6:30. I don't really want to get up, but my body's like this is your routine. Like you're getting up." Um, so even at that point, I would have been up, but it was like nine or nine thirty and I hadn't even gotten up, and my roommate came in and um she had heard me like coughing and she had come in and I had thrown up and was like aspirating it. So it was going back it down into my lungs and having another seizure. Um to which she called my parents and they were both at work. Um about 30 minutes away. So um, they ended up getting an ambulance. And by the time I got from my apartment to the same hospital, which was about 30, 45 minutes, depending on traffic, um, I'd had multiple seizures in the back of the ambulance and was running a fever of right about 104.
0: Uh, Did they like seem to like pivot their game plan or did they kind of just say like, you know, this is, we expected this to happen and we just need you to rest. So it was the same ER
1: that I had been at. Um, and at the, at this point, I don't remember anything. I was gone. I was out of it. Um, the last thing that I, even with a fuzzy memory, remember is... Walking out of the er the first time with my parents like I don't really remember much at that point Um, but my parents met the ambulance at the er and they said it was a total pivot um I had waited for a while that first time the day before To get into a room and they said they immediately got me into a room and were I mean Trying to figure out what was wrong drawing blood trying to sedate me to get me to calm down um where my fever was so high. I mean, that's I mean, your body is normally ninety-eight degrees. I mean, I was at 104. Um, and so they figured that at that point they were like, well, maybe her fever has spiked and that's why the seizures are happening. Um, but again, flashback to the day before, I'm very combative when um I am out of it. So they were like, we need to get her sedated so some things we can we can figure out what's wrong. Um So they were able to do that and they ended up doing a spinal tap and, um, they were waiting on the results. And one of the doctors was like, take her up to the ICU. Like something is not right. And, you know, I'm really grateful for that one doctor who was like, no, there is something that is not right. Cause she had seen my medical history, which was basically non-existent and is like, this doesn't just happen overnight. There's something that was missed. Um, and when they the lab saw my um, spinal tap, the fluid, appear. so when you do a spinal tap, typically your spinal fluid is clear um, and mine was very foggy um, and that was an instant red flag that something was very wrong. Um, and so it came back that I had um, bacterial meningitis, um, which you can have viral or you can have bacterial meningitis and um, bacterial is the worst of the two. Um, so they ended up, I ended up in a medically induced coma for two weeks. Um, I woke up on December 23rd of 2018. So there is a two week gap in my memory, um, which I have been told that I need to be very grateful for, um, just my parents, this was right before COVID. Um, so thankfully my parents, um, were
0: both able to be there. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine having it done via COVID because everybody was in such, like my third was a COVID baby. So they still were in like, and that was the end of COVID. So that Um, isolation alone is stressful. Yeah, and it it would have
1: completely 180 pivoted where I am. Um, just me waking up from that medically induced coma um, was a medical miracle in and of itself. Um, but knowing how hard and just hearing from my sister, from my grandmother, from people, you know, church community about... how my parents were there nonstop, um, you know, advocating for me, um, making sure that while I was out of it, that I was still treated with respect and that I was still cared for. And, um, you know, it's very similar, I think, to what you have to deal with with Mads is advocating for her when she
0: can't, when she doesn't know how to, um, Yeah, I just remember the very first time we took her to the ER and they were basically like, um, something, it's like behavioral, she's fine. And for those who don't like super know me on a personal level, Maddie's always struggled with issues with her colon. And so the first like ER ever was basically just like, oh, she just doesn't, you know, she just doesn't want to be potty trained. She's just the strong willed child, And I just remember sitting there thinking like, that's, that's not it, but you know, we'll, we'll give it a go. And we, we took all the advice and did all the things and everything kept coming back to, oh, she's a strong willed child. And I was like, if one more person tells me that she's strong, like, I know I live with her. I know she's strong willed, but if one more person tells me that that's the reason that she's this sick, I'm going to flip the table. And then was basically had to jump through like hellfire to get a second referral to a different GI. And then I go up to Cincinnati and they were like, mm, no, she needs to be admitted today. I'm like, cool. So thankful that, you know, in God's timing, we did it on a place where it could have not made her any sicker. But I, I just get so frustrated like for you on the first time and for for kids like Maddie that, you know, I I praise the medical community and I know that they can get it wrong, but some of the medical community can come off as such so dismissive Mm -hmm. and telling me that my child does not want to be potty trained when you've met her for five minutes is a really strong leap for me and it like it sends me into like manic mom mode and then then to have her admitted and then have to go to all these other doctors and clinics like I get it. Like the parental side is the, it's hard enough to be the patient, but it's even harder when you know it's your kid and they're in pain and you're trying to make sure that somebody with half a brain knows what they're doing. I
1: just remember the first time you told me about her issues, like, and as a teacher, I'm like, is it really that bad? And then the first incident we had with her, I was like, oh my gosh, it really is but then, like, it's not a behavioral thing. That's not her. Like, n- not even in the slightest bit. Like, it made yeah, me it so came, mad when became, you told, made me so mad. I was like, who do I need to write a letter to f- that I've had this child for a week now? And it's not
0: behavioral.
1: Like, I was ready to find a bat and
0: go yeah. alongside you for her. Yeah, it's been definitely a struggle as far as like you know they shove medications down your throat they do in tubes they do irrigations they do all of these things and it's like okay but like what's the underlying issue and i just remember so vividly getting tickled because we were standing in the hospital and one of the like pas came in and god love her she was not ready but she came in and she's like well, you know, it could be behavioral. And my husband just looked her dead in her eyes and said, stop, I'm going to throw you out a window if you say that one more time. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, maybe that's not like our strongest approach, but also somebody's got to say it. Like we've explained that out, do better and do more. And the insurance process, I know as for us, probably for you too, like it holds up so many hoops and you know, just things that you've got to jump through to get things done. And it's like, this is ridiculous. Like, I shouldn't have to try A, B, and C if I know it's going to fail, if I know my child needs D. Yeah, I remember one of the
1: biggest things that we ran into is where I was over the age of 18. My parents didn't have, I mean, I trusted them, but like, they didn't have legal rights to a lot. And we got really lucky Um, with some very understanding staff who were like, what would you prefer right now? Like in her incapacitation, like you are biologically her dad, like, what would you prefer? And my dad is one that's like, no, this is not what we're doing. And he's one that I wouldn't want to meet in a back alley if I were to make him mad. But we got really lucky that we just had a lot of people come to our come through the path of this specific incident that were able to help and avoid like the legalities of it. But as soon as I like came to, he was like, "I'm going to get my lawyer up here." if he was like, "Of course, if this is okay with you, but so that I can have, you know, all these things because my bills weren't paid, my car was in danger of being repossessed. like, It got to such a point that it's like, it's terrifying because you're dealing with a near death experience. Like I should not be here sitting,
0: talking to you right now. Yeah. Well, I know that like with stuff like that, like we, it was actually my husband's idea. So good job, babe. He, um, he has all of that. Like we had, we went to an attorney and got like all the power of attorney stuff. And like, if I'm ever incapacitated, if he's ever incapacitated. Like, we can who could do X, Y, and Z in our name. And I undervalued a lot of that in the beginning because you think like, oh, that's never going to happen to me until it does, or you meet somebody that it does happen to, and then it's like, yeah, you you can't navigate that world legally without the proper documentation. And what are you going to do when that person can't provide that for you? Well, and even like the insurance people were like not willing to talk to him
1: because I was over 18. They're like, well, you're not authorized. And now like every doctor, every anything, like I have a living will. Like it's gotten to that point where I'm like, I need everyone to be aware that he is allowed to make decisions because you come from something, you know, I was in that coma and I was in the hospital for five weeks. Like that wasn't the end of it by any means. You know, I still had stuff I had to deal with. I had to figure out how rent was going to get paid. I got very lucky, um, very blessed with some people who helped out in the midst of, you know, being off work. And, you know, I had short-term disability, but that's a whole other, you got to wait almost five weeks for that to come in. Like it just, there was so much more. And there were just people who, I had to be like, I can't talk to you. I have a tube down my throat like, because I was on the ventilator for two weeks. Because when you are in a medically induced coma, they basically turn your body off so that your brain and your body can fight whatever. And then I couldn't come off a ventilator right away. Like I had to have a trach. And your trach is like the air isn't passing over your vocal cords anymore. So you can't talk unless you have a cap put on top of it. And I didn't handle that very well. It's just, it's a lot. Like I had a lot of, I have a lot of PTSD issues with hospitals and medical things now. Oh my gosh, girl. Not because, not because anyone did anything, like not because anyone did anything wrong
0: necessarily. It's just, there's so much. No, it's if, if Maddie even goes to any sort of doctor, like, We walked in, God love it, my stepmom's an audiologist, and we walked in to get her hearing checked. Yeah. She, her ears, like, nobody's taking a needle to your ears, sis. Yep. She was in the parking lot screaming. And like, she knows my stepmom, like, she knows her face. And I was like, we're we're literally just going into her office. Like, it's just her. She's just going to look at your ears like... Nope, she was unhinged. I basically had to push her in the front door and we had to walk through step by step because she's like, if y'all come at me with this NG, if y'all come at me with this, like I will run. IVs, she out the door. Like she is not, we have to pre sedate her to sedate her to get through those steps.
1: Yeah, like it's a real thing. And like I always have to warn anyone that's taking my blood pressure at any kind of doctor. I mean, heck, even it. where was I? The eye doctor, they're taking my blood pressure and I went, listen, just in case this is high. Like I legitimately have to tell them because it's one of those things where very similarly, like I love my doctor, like my primary care doctor is fantastic and she's been great and I've seen her forever, but like there's something about in the back of my mind that I don't even realize is there that just triggers. And it's so, it's, it hurts my heart for Maddie because she has to deal with that at her age. Like, I'm very grateful that I was put in your all's lives to be able to, you know, be like, okay, this might be how she feels. Um, And like being freaked out by an ear, like an audiologist, like I can understand that. I mean, I understand that because you know, meningitis to, like, is your brain.
0: So I get that for sure. Yeah. Like I have to like go through and be like, okay, here's where we're going. Here's what we're doing. Here's what we're not doing. Mm-hmm. And like, I have to go ahead and let her know the appointment. And then like I have to tell that doctor, like, don't make me a liar. Like if I walk in there and you say you're not doing the vaccinations and then she hears you say flu shot, she out that door. Like you yeah. have to be very cognizant of her verb like your verbiage you use around her because if i'm telling her we're not coming in for a shot and you are a medical professional and you say shot it's get ga- like it's game over she game is over. yep crying in the floor like you are not getting her up you are not consoling her until she gets back to her car and knows that we are escaping wherever we are yeah like and it's a legitimate
1: thing and you know i've been told like oh you don't really need someone in the hospital with you so flash forward, I saw, um, a doctor, an ENT and, um, he, there was some questionable things. We'll put it that way that happened. And I ended up with a second opinion and about a year and a half ago, last not this past summer, but the one before I ended up having to have, um, a craniotomy. I ended up having to have brain surgery, um, because there was a hole in my skull, um, and my brain was sitting in my ear. And, um, like, I love my ENT now, but like, it's,
0: it's wild. Uh, yeah, that's, that's a big, big, big bit of a jump. But kind of with like everything between like the craniotomy and then the meningitis, like what resources do you wish you kind of would have known about sooner? I'm assuming one of them probably being like having the legality set up ahead of time. Oh, a hundred percent. Like I,
1: I now to a lot of people, um, that, I mean, almost everybody I'm like, listen, and I I don't ever want to say it to freak anybody out, but I'm like, listen, I was fine. I was totally fine one day and wasn't the next. Like, What is going to happen to the people you care about, to the things you care about? You know, I don't have kids. I, you know, I'm not married. I have a dog who I very dearly love and like, and I had people who very who knew that and who stepped in to take care of him. But like, what if I didn't? Or what if my car had sat and I hadn't gotten payments made on it? What if no one was allowed to make decisions for me in the hospital? It could have been completely different. And so I definitely, you know, people joke about like how in high school they wish there had been a class about how to handle all of this like it's a legitimate, you need to have a living will. You need to have it written down. You need to have those tough conversations. Um, even if you don't have it, I mean, it's better to have it legally, like get it notarized, go to the UPS store and get a statement like notarized that my dad is allowed to make decisions for me. Um, but like, your doctor, like my doctor's office is always, do you have a living will? And I'm like, dang it, I forgot to bring it. It's at home in a safe place where I know where it is. Um, but they gave me like a packet and it asks you all the questions, you know, you see on TV that do not intubate, do not resuscitate, like those are legitimate questions. And if you don't have those conversations,
0: people won't know. Um, I also want to say, just because you say that, there's a an online thing. I think it's like $4. It's legitimately called Form Swift. And I use it a ton for work, but it has like a living will that you just like fill in the blank and you go through and it's like, who would you want to do this? Type their name there. It puts it in a legal document for you and then everything, and then you just go take it to get notarized. So for $4, you can have all of this set up printed in a binder somewhere for like your family members, if something goes sideways, like I always tell them, I've joked with both my mom and my dad, like if something happens to Jason and I, where are you going to find these forms? Like, where are you going to find this? And especially with like, even with my mom, I'm like, if something happens, where am I going to find this? Like, where, where do I look? Because I don't want to be at a creek without a paddle.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So we, um, My sisters and I, we lost our mom about two years ago, and we didn't have those conversations with her. There's a whole other story there. But no one knew where to find her will. Like, because no one had
0: had those conversations. I just remember when my grandmother died, it was such a, like, kind of a storm to figure out all of those things. And it was like a half- will situation that was completed and I just like remember thinking through the funeral and all of the things like I cannot let my kids go like I have to go through and have all of these ducks in a row if not for myself and my husband but for my kids right absolutely and it's hard
1: like it's hard to think about that and you don't want to be like dark and gloomy and dreary but it's so important because if you are incapacitated in any way whether it be a car crash a fluke accident at work or whatever, like you need to have that in place. I mean, I have a, every once in a while I'll pop quiz, my sister, I'm like, okay, if something happens, what hospital are you taking me to? Okay. Where is this? Where is this? Like you were saying you do with your parents, but like, it's a legitimate thing because you know, so much can happen in so little time. Like yeah. it's wild. And I just wish that I had been more prepared. I'm very grateful, very lucky, very blessed that it all turned out the way it did. But, you know, if I had not gotten the specific doctors, the specific nurses, the the ones who really like got it and who didn't see my parents as evil people, you know, if I hadn't been lucky,
0: it could have been different. Well, and I kind of think like if you have... I- I don't know if you have or not, but I did a podcast with Whitney and she actually had a parent pass away and she had the, like, before I die or if I die binder, like, here's where everything is. I was looking online because there's a similar, like, reference. It's like medical journal. Like, if I need to seek medical attention, here's everything you need to know about me. And I thought about one of those for Madeline because it's like, if something ever happens to myself and... My husband, God forbid, like, somebody's going to need to know what doctor she goes to, who's her GI, who, you know, who does she work with in Minnesota, who does she have all of these things, because if they don't have that, like, legal information, it needs to be all documented down. Yeah, and even something as simple as what medications you take, like,
1: seriously, like... You know, who has that random conversation with your parents, your spouse, your siblings about what medications, like, cause I ask you that everywhere. What medications are you on? But just having that information, oh my gosh, it would have been so, so much of a help. And, you know, it would have caught, it would have like spared my parents some money getting a lawyer up there and, you know, versus a couple dollars for a notary if they even charge it. Like I have a cousin who's a notary who did
0: that. Um, yeah, I'm a notary. I don't ever charge anybody for anything because so I'm like, well, yeah, I, just, I think that it's <laughs> like a super official document like that. Like, it. I mean, it, it takes me no time to check your ID and put my stamp on it. So right,
1: right. Yeah. But and I think also like another resource, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily a resource, but I think it's a thing where it's okay to ask questions to medical professionals. Um, I think oh, that's absolutely. Something that,
0: you got to fight like hell for some of it. Yeah, I think that's something that
1: I was really afraid of, not necessarily in the hospital, but afterwards with this um, ear, nose and throat doctor, I was very okay with whatever he said because he went to school and he has the degree and he knows what he's doing come kind of to find understand. out it just like I just got kind of pushed aside and walked over um and you know betwe- and getting a second opinion is okay and you have that right um I think I just was very I don't know if naive or just I I felt like this is what I was handed so I
0: have to deal with it whatever no no. I, I think that, I think naive is a good not about you but like I think they make you feel naive like, mm-hmm. I think that that's how I felt like okay, well, you know, this doctor is saying this about my kid, you know, maybe, maybe I'm being overdramatic. Maybe that's, you know, what it is, what it's not what it is. Like, you know, yourself and your body and your kids better than they do. Right. And like, I just remember,
1: um, the first, like last August, um, last fall when all the allergies kicked in and stuff and, I started having pain in my ear that I had recently had, like I had the brain surgery around the ear and it was making everything work correctly. And I started having some consistent pain and I was like, you know, let's talk about PTSD. I was like, Oh gosh, I'm not doing this again. There's nothing wrong with my ear. But I called my like general doctor and I was like, does she have anything? Can I get in to see her? something. And I was like, I don't think this is anything. I said, but this feels weird. And she was like, you don't have an ear infection. I'm pretty confident. It's just allergies. And I said, are you sure? And she looked again and she was like, I promise you it is not red. It's not inflamed, anything like that. But she wasn't offended that I asked again, that I was willing to be like, no, this is important. And this is my PTSD striking. Like, I need you to make sure. But I think Just like a word of advice, don't be afraid to question any professional. I mean, yeah, they have a degree, but they're human and they make mistakes. And it's okay to ask for a second opinion on even someone you have known and trusted for years. Like, that's okay. Does it make you a bad person?
0: No, absolutely. Well, to wrap up a little bit, what do you think that you're most grateful for during that experience and kind of just everything, probably just advocating for yourself for one. But, you know, what do you think in hindsight you've you've learned through all of this that's kind of made you, I don't know if you could even say grateful for the experience, but I guess we're grateful for Madeline. I always say like, I think it made me a better parent, like gave me a little bit of a backbone to kind of advocate for my kid.
1: Yeah, I think definitely, um, you know, everyone says, you know, you only live once and, you know, do things that scare you and take a risk because you don't know what tomorrow's gonna look like. Um, I think for me, it definitely, it made me very grateful for my family. Like as cliche as that might sound, I had two parents who cared very much and were very willing and very passionate about advocating for me. And even now when it comes to my health, Um, you know, I'm taking a little bit more of that on, but at the same time, like, if I'm like, no, I need you to do this with me. They're like, okay, got it. Like, you know, I'm not being a diva when I'm asking for someone to stay with me in a hospital room. I've had to say, you know, it's because I've struggled with not being able to move out of a bed because my muscles have disappeared because I've been laying here, you know, you go through therapy and all that stuff. And I think just being very grateful that there are people who do understand. And I think another thing is just being really grateful for the, you know, the the job and the the position that I get to have. I get to help little people change the world. Um, Like I get to look at kids like yours or kids like, you know, other ones that I've had in years and just really be like, you know what? I get to make an impact on these little people that someone else doesn't. Um, And I really, 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 that's a really important, huge part of my life. I don't know how you forgot that. Oh, yeah. And I decided to coach soccer.
0: (laughs) She's probably like, might not
1: appreciate that as much. But hey, it's great. It's lifetime. Yeah. But it's just, it's made me live a little bit more freely and not feel as contained. Like, I have no problem picking up and doing random things. Like, a friend of mine was like, hey, we should go to Nashville. And I was like, all right, give me two weeks. I get paid this week. Let's go. Like, it, it's made me not worry as much because I do realize how precious everything really is. Because um, I could, you know, walk out the front door tomorrow and that would be the last time.
0: Please well, don't uh, pick my front door to do that. No, no, not today. I'm not ready for the level of drama for 2023. <laughs> no, we've
1: been through enough in 2023. We can save it. Um, but no, really, like just being more okay with, you know, I don't have the answers for all the things and just really learning to soak up again. It sounds cliche, but like soaking up every moment and really making the most of it all. Um, and being okay with taking risks and taking chances. Like right before I had gotten, like before I got sick, I had gotten another tattoo and I was like, you know, after I got sick, I was like, okay, well I need like 10 more and I need to do this and I need to do this. And, you know, and another cliche is like, you know, I've really grown to appreciate like what my body can do. Like I've been better about going to the gym and eating better. And I'm like, holy cow, like really since I got brain surgery last year was the, the turning point. So it's all kind of still fresh, but really like dang, I can lift 200 pounds off the floor. And like, I'm not a size three, but like, I can still do that. Like I can still
0: do big things. Yeah, you're killing it.
1: Listen, I try.
0: Well, I think you're doing great. And I'm so glad that you, you know, have have found even like a school that you love and that you're, you know, everything is is thriving. You're killing it in the gym and, and all of good things. And so I think 2024 will just be even better. Dude, if 2023 was this fun, like I got
1: to spend the summer with your children, what will next year be like? Gosh,
0: I just got to make it through today. I got to make it through Halloween candy and my kids all jacked up on Hershey Kisses and a good time. Listen, after today, if
1: I, as a four and five-year-old teacher, make it through tomorrow, I get to celebrate.
0: because it's the day after Halloween. Oh, yeah. You can do anything. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for coming and telling your story. And um, I will actually put in the show notes a couple of the things that we had mentioned, like Formswift and kind of that medical journal that I had found. And stay tuned to see who the next guest is. But Caroline, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.